Welcome to the very first episode of Working Music. to anybody and everybody who's out there who might be listening, whether it's morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time of the day it is and whatever part of the world you are in, welcome to my very first episode of Working Music. Well, let me tell you a little bit about myself so you know who's talking to you from the other end of this microphone. My name is Jeff Taylor. I've been a musician for good on 35 years now. And uh, during that time, uh, been all over the country here in Australia. And uh, I've done many other things as well. I've worked in radio for a little while, um, quite a number of years ago now. Uh, but mainly I've uh, just been part of the music industry in one form or another. Uh, these days, as well as being a musician, I do a lot of uh, audio production Sometimes a little bit of lighting, you know, jack of all trades, master of none type of deal. Uh, so anyway, I thought I'd like to put together a bit of a podcast just uh, for musos and for uh, tech type people, for anybody, anybody related to the music industry in any form whatsoever. It doesn't matter whether it's street team people or, uh, you know, marketing professionals in the music industry promoters, whatever, it's just anybody, anybody who makes any money out of the music industry, this is the place to come and uh, have a listen and also have a talk. Um, not that it's a talkback show, but you will be able to respond with your opinions and I look, I highly welcome opinions, not just from people in Australia, but anybody in the music industry anywhere in the world would love to hear your stories uh, and we'd love to hear how things work in your country, in your state, wherever you are. You know, we want to know what, what your uh, problems, plights, uh, difficulties, achievements, all that sort of stuff. Share it with us. Uh, that, we really like to know about that sort of stuff. Um, I originally came up with this idea and I thought, oh, I'll put together a bit of a podcast and, you know, we'll we'll review some gear and we'll talk about tips and tricks and blah, blah, blah. And the more I, the more I thought about it, I started writing down ideas and, and things to talk about and, and it just sort of evolved into this idea of, you know, I don't want to be just another tips and tricks guy or, you know, here's my reviews of this and that and the other thing that you can find a uh, you know a dime a dozen YouTube videos left right and center on all sorts of stuff and, you know when it when it comes out thirty people make a review in one day and everybody's got their own opinion but I guess uh, well the crux of it all right here is that everybody does have their own opinion and you know you see a lot of stuff on Facebook groups and and things like that. And somebody posts an opinion and all of a sudden it's all out war and 30 people agree and 30 other people disagree and you know 10 people sit on the fence and say well a little from column a a little from column b blah 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 and uh it just gets a little bit like that and i thought well hey 
how cool would it be let's to make a podcast that's kind of like a talk show, but you know, when you're not calling in, but you can email your feedback about the topics that I talk about, and then I can discuss your feedback as well in the next podcast and kind of create a, a sort of a worldwide conversation that goes on week to week about various topics and uh, about anything and you know I'll even talk about gear if I see something that I think um, is a pretty cool idea quite happy to jump on and talk about it tell you all about it and uh, get your opinions and give you mine you know Um, everybody in the world's got an opinion and of course this is just my opinion and uh, by no means do I think it is the be all and end all of everything so like I said uh, for over 30 years been in the music industry Um, I work as an audio engineer, uh, as a musician, PA owner, um, and, you know, I've done little bits of almost everything, I guess. Uh, I I just find the whole industry enjoyable, Um, but certainly there are the downsides, Um, and most of you will know that there, there, there have certainly been days where I have woken up and wondered why the hell am I doing this and why am I consistently struggling to achieve whatever it is that I'm out to achieve. But having said all that, when I look back, I've achieved, you know, a lot of good milestones in my career and I've done some stuff that I never thought I would ever do. Uh, And I've worked with some fantastic people Um, that I never imagined I would ever get the opportunity to do. So, you know, all in all, there's certainly a lot more positives than there are negatives. So, let's stop talking about all that crap and let's move on to something of a a topic to discuss. And uh, look, I think one of the hottest topics that gets... Uh, mulled over time and time again uh, with varying opinions from all areas of life is the decline of the music scene, uh, the live music scene. Um, You know, people refer back to the 70s and the early 80s and, and how vibrant the scene was here in Australia. And, you know, I talked to friends who were you know, years ago said that, you know, they had no problem being able to play in a band and do nothing else because they were playing four or five nights a week, making reasonable money, they were able to live, have a good time, uh, supply their needs just by being a musician. That's pretty much almost unheard of these days in this country anyway, and I don't know what it's like overseas in other countries uh, in America I have no idea what the music seems like over there I'd certainly love to hear from some American musicians uh, England Europe again no idea whether there has been the same sort of decline is this a worldwide epidemic I mean I do know here in Australia we blame you know poker machines and smoking laws noise restrictions the high cost of alcohol I mean, it's quite easy to, you know, point and say there's a whole bunch of different reasons that the scene has declined as much as it has, um, you know, and and quite possibly 
every single one of them is a very valid point. Um, perhaps the whole lot of them together as a conglomerate have created the the overall decline. Maybe it's not it's not any one of them individually, but all of them collectively. Perhaps I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I do know that we see uh, venues here in Australia, uh, poker machines. You know, they have taken over quite a substantial part of the real estate of most venues. And as a musician, you know, we look at that and we go, well, you know, that's that's stopping us from having our live music area. People, you know, people don't care about live music anymore. It's all about the poker machines. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, but you've also got to stop for a minute and maybe I think, well, I think we need to stop and look at it from both sides of the coin. From a business perspective, you know, if I was the club manager, I'd be looking at my books at the end of the day and going, well, you know, I put on some live music and 20 people turn up and, you know, we sell a couple of dozen drinks over the bar and I've got to pay staff for that, I've got to have security, blah, 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 blah. But I put the poker machines over here, all I've got to do is power them on and people will just come and plonk their money in and they'll also buy drinks while they're plonking their money in and look at my revenue. Wait, like, you know, at the end of the day, a club, a pub, whatever, um, they're out to make money. If they're losing money, it's unreasonable, I guess, to expect them to support live music if it's not going to make them any money. It's a bit of a catch-22 situation. You need the clubs to exist so we can play in them, but if they're not making money then they can't exist and we've got nowhere to play and we're back at square one. So, you know, poker machines, yeah, necessary evil, I don't know. You know, it's fair to say that before poker machines were the thing, you know, live music was everywhere. Um, people love to go out and see live music. Uh, certainly a lot more than they do these days. However, you know, it, it's only one piece of the puzzle. Smoking laws that came in, I can't even remember how long ago now. Personally, for myself, being a non-smoker these days doesn't faze me at all. I actually quite like being able to go into a venue and play a gig and not be smoked out. But, there, you know, it is a fair point that some people say, well, you know, now you've got to go outside to have a cigarette. such a hassle, blah, blah, blah. But I think we're past that now. I, th- I think that... That particular topic, that's, that's just become the norm. People just do it. It's its not really the hassle that it sort of started out to be. So I don't think that's as much of a, a problem these days when it comes to the decline. I don't think people are not going out because they can't smoke in the venue. I, I just don't think that's a, a thing anymore. Noise restrictions. Well, yeah, this one gets up my goat. Um... So here you have a a venue that's been a great thriving live music entertainment hub for many, many years and uh, the council decides, well, we're going to put up some uh, apartments right across the road there and uh, because we just think that's the best thing to do and that's a good location, you know, everybody wants to be in that part of the city or whatever it is, we're just going to do that. Yeah, no problem. 
So up goes this lovely little high-rise with lots of apartments. And then the people move in. And the noise complaints start. And my first thought is, you moved in across the road from a live music venue. What did you think was going to happen? Did you think you would hear nothing? So, to me, it's annoying that councils don't look at this a bit a bit more closely and say, well, okay, this is going to affect that, you know, A affects B, which in turn affects C, blah, 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 and on it goes. Um, fine to put up their, their apartments if they need, you know, if it's what the developer want, he wants right in the town, blah, blah, blah. So then why, when these buildings that come in afterwards, after the fact that something is already there, already existing, already operating and, you know, doing really good and it's, you know, it's, it's a, a happening place, then why is that development not forced to say, no worries, guys, you can put this up, but please be aware there is a live music entertainment area right across the road. They have a license to X amount of time and they're allowed to have music, blah, 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 and it's going to be a problem. So when you're building your building, you'll need to put in some extra sound reinforcement on that side of the building so your tenants aren't bothered. Hey, now there's a cool idea. But no, let's just build the building, put in the least amount of stuff possible, and then let's let the new tenants complain about the old tenant across the road, and then we'll just shut that down over there because, you know, the tenants complained. Man, yeah, look, I've seen too many places already just go to the pits because of this type of thing that, that happens. And it just makes no sense to me at all. It's like nobody has thought about this one bit other than the money in the hand. And that's what drives everything. So you put enough money in someone's hand and we can make that problem go away or we can make that problem somebody else's problem, in which, uh, in this case, well, it's the problem of the musicians. The venue, yeah, well, the venue gets a bit annoyed. they got to stop putting on this live music that's dragging all these people in. So how do they fix it? Oh, we'll stick two more poker machines down the corner there. That'll take care of that revenue that we just lost. So they keep going, no drama. They just, and, you know, for them, well, okay, we can't do it because the council told us, so we can't do it now. So now we don't have to employ those security guards. We don't have to have those three extra staff every Friday and Saturday night. It's win-win for them anyway. So <laughs> I just, sometimes I just don't see how uh, the music industry gets a win anywhere it's uh, kind of like we're, we're sort of seen at the bottom of the rung and uh, we get thrown the scraps not really much fun at all another one of the determining factors on the amount of people that go out these days is the high cost of alcohol and it, it, fair enough you know you go out and you, you know I'm not a beer drinker or a wine drinker I like a, a good uh, Jack Daniels good scotch bourbon you know that sort of stuff you go to the bar to buy any of the pre-mixed drinks and you can be anywhere like the varying difference in prices from one place to another is absolutely staggering so you can you can be in one venue and you can go and pay eight dollars for a pre-mixed drink and you can go into another venue and it'll be thirteen dollars i just it blows my mind so is it any wonder that uh, you know there's a growing uh, trend for people to stay at home 
have their fill of drinks, then go out and enjoy the, their time out and maybe only buy one or two drinks while they're out and have the rest at home. It's just unaffordable for people to be able to venture out to clubs and, and pubs when they're just charging these exorbitant prices. Um, who can afford to have a good night out? Uh, certainly not every Friday and Saturday night as uh, in the past. But I don't know. What do you think? What, what do you think the, the, the driving factors are in, in the decline of, of our music industry, at least here in Australia? You know, the venues, live, live music just isn't, doesn't have the foothold it used to have. There's nothing driving it. Um, it, it, it's like there's just no support there for it at all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one, you know, and as I say, everybody has varying opinions and there's so many variables and, and, and reasons for different declines in different areas. The actual music industry on the live music industry has evolved so much since I first began as a musician at uh, about the age of 18. And, you know, when I first got into being a musician and playing in bands, um, it was unheard of that anybody owned their own PA. So if you got a gig, you had to go and find a PA guy and hire them to come do the PA, all that sort of stuff. These days, every Tom, Dick and Harry's got a couple of speakers on sticks and you know a few lights on a bar behind them and you know a couple of mics and away they go and Bob's your uncle um, which of course has helped those bands fit into the economy of the current live music scene and that in itself is also being strangled by venues who want to pay less and get more it drives me insane. It's a false economy. And, you know, you have venues, and, and it's happening again right now here in Brisbane, where venues that have, have been, let's say, supporting tribute shows for quite a while, um, and, and they've just suddenly gone, you know what, we can't really afford these high-end tribute shows that, you know, even though a lot of them do draw a good number of people in, they're pretty pricey. So we're going to stop doing that. But instead, what we're going to do is we're going to try and let's ask these tribute bands if they'd be happy to keep playing here as a kind of a cover band, but in the vein of their tribute show. So let's say, for instance, a Queen tribute show. Well, can you come and be a cover band but we'll call you a Queen-influenced cover band. So you can still play all your Queen stuff, but, you know, throw in some other covers, you know, because, and, and we now want you to do four hours and we want to pay you half the amount of money that we were paying you before. Now, I don't know about you, but that something doesn't add up there. However, of course, you know, quite a number of these shows have all gone, well, you know... Oh, I really want the work. I hate to lose a gig. Well, it's only one. Yeah, we can do that. No worries. Why not? Let's let's do it. And don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm one of them. I did it. In my my particular 
tribute show, we went, yeah, we'll do that. All right, no worries. And, uh, you know, in a week's time, we're doing just that. However, having said that, in the time between when we booked to now, which is about a week away from when it's happening, yeah, we've uh, re- rethought our plan there. And uh, it, trust me, won't be doing it again. I, I think there just has to come a time where you've got to just stand up for what you believe in and and not be taken for a ride because these people, you'll get screwed down and you'll only get screwed down as low as you're prepared to go. But that all that participates in the decline of our overall live music industry. For every band out there that goes, yeah, we can do it $50 cheaper. Yeah, we can do it $50 cheaper. Oh, look, you know, we, we'll, we'll... It's just cheapening what we do to the point where it's almost worth nothing. We're making our, our craft worthless by what we're doing. And the same can be said for PA operators. Owning a, a PA myself and, and doing production for bands... And you know you'll get people ring you up and and they they want to they want a price for you know full band blah 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 and lights and everything and you give them a price and they're like oh that seems really dear of course you know let's take into consideration there's a hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment it's not really dear at all um, but you know the first thing you'll get is oh well you know such and such can do it you know two hundred dollars cheaper than that can you do it for that price. The minute you turn around and say, yeah, you can, then they're on the phone to such and such going, well, this guy can, can, can match you. Do you want to beat him or do we, should we take him? And it's just bing, bang, <laughs> bouncing off each other to all of a sudden we've made our craft and our industry worthless. It's just worthless. Uh, and it's even worse when it comes to uh, PA operators because, you know, unfortunately there's people out there who, you know, just have their lovely day job, love to tinker with music stuff, went out and just spent a whole heap of money on all this gear just because they love it. And And I have seen people literally post ads saying... Will come and and do you you know do your whole band, do the whole thing for a hundred bucks and you know you give me some drinks for the night and if I really like your band I'll probably do it for free. Well, what do you do? Like, you know, I can't beat that. Um, and don't get me wrong, I know if you're listening to this, I know that you know that what they're getting for their hundred dollars is absolute shit. That's simple as that. Because nobody worth their weight in uh, their craft is going to go out and do it for $100. Because they know that their time is far more valuable. They know that their skills are far more valuable. So here we have another problem in the industry that just helps drive everything right down to the ground till it's just worth nothing. And it's just all these factors in my opinion, are contributors to killing our, our industry, killing the thing that that we love the most, uh, killing the thing that a lot of us have uh, struggled to make a living from, whether you believe it or not, or whether you even know it. And if you listen to this podcast, then you do know it. 
that there are many musicians out there who do their darnest to live off being a musician. That's all they do. And they struggle to get every gig they can to make sure that they make enough money to pay their bills so they can keep being a musician because that's what they love to do. It's their passion and it's their livelihood. And then you get backyard people who have no business at that level coming in, undercutting just so they can get their five minutes of fame and their friggin' you know, backyard warrior band that, that plays once every six months and probably still plays Smoke on the Water. And they're doing real struggling musicians out of a job. But they don't care. They go to work on Monday and earn their weekly pay packet, whatever it is that they're doing. And they just, you know, they're, they're quite happy to come along to the pub and be the entertainment for 100 bucks or some beer, free beers, whatever. It happens. It certainly, it happens everywhere. It's just a damn crying shame. But I'd certainly like to hear anybody's response on this in Australia, overseas, you know, does, does it happen over there too? Do people undercut each other and cut throat? Um, you know, we, we don't have a, a music um, union here in Australia, so you know, nothing's regulated. It's, it's pretty much dog-eat-dog. Dog. Unfortunately, it doesn't even come down to whether or not it's actually a good show, whether or not they're actually good musicians, whether or not none of that seems to matter in our music industry, at least here. It really, nine times out of ten, it comes down to price. And if they can do it cheaper, they get it. Um, and it's, that's sad. It, it is really sad. Uh, but, you know, that, that starts to venture off into a whole other topic, uh, which I don't want to cover this particular first podcast. Um, yeah, so we, we'll just leave that there. And like I say, I, I'd like to hear from anybody. Uh, drop me an email. You can send an email to mysay at workingmusic.com.au. Send me an email uh, if you want to have a say. And, you know, obviously, you know, sensible emails I'll certainly discuss. Anybody wants to act like a dick, uh, I know where the delete button is. I'm sure it's there somewhere. So it's all good. No drama. So anyway, yeah, the decline of, of our live music industry, I, I think it's, uh, it's a sad state of affairs right now. And uh, I don't know what to do about it. Um, we can talk about stuff. I absolutely would love to hear people's, uh, anyone's ideas on, on how to reinvigorate our live music industry. You know, does anybody have any thoughts on that? You know, let's let's spark up a discussion. Let's talk about that. Why not? I think we'll leave that topic there for now, and hopefully we can uh, touch on it again next week or in the coming weeks, as we hopefully get some emails, some feedback for some people on their thoughts, and uh, and we might be able to elaborate on that further on. Uh, let's see, what else can we talk about? Well, I, I, love, I love talking about music tech or, or tech in music. Um, the advancements that we've had over the years and, and uh, you know, a lot of things most people in the public wouldn't even notice have changed. Um, and there are some things that 
you know, we all notice it have changed. Now, one of the biggest uh, changes that I perceive to be both a benefit and sometimes a hindrance, but but mostly when used correctly, a, a great benefit uh, for live musicians is the invention of the iPad. I mean, it's it certainly beats a music stand and a big bloody-ass folder. And I know I've carried one of those around many years ago and uh, looking back now uh, I can look at old videos and think my god that looked ugly that that's horrible um iPads have just revolutionized um what we as especially cover band musicians not so much for um original artists because you know original artists should know their stuff they wrote it so they shouldn't need an iPad in the cover band scene, absolutely, I, I, I certainly see a place for it because you know, cover bands are expected to know so many different songs and have such a variety. And, you know, depending on the actual band, it could change night to night. And just to try and have all that stuff tucked away in your head for the whole band uh, can be a bit daunting, especially words. Uh, and as you get older, yeah, they get a little bit harder to remember. So, iPads, yeah, I think they're a great, I think they're a great asset when used correctly. Um, and and the fact that you can get iPad holders that connect to your microphone stand, putting the iPad right in reach, right in view, but it doesn't, it doesn't effectively come between you and the audience because it's so sleek and small and it's not this big ugly thing beside you that you've got to flip pages and then you can't find where you're at and blah, blah, blah. That really, you know, I mean, I look back now and I, I cringe thinking of uh, how horrible that probably looked. <laughs> uh, no doubt. But uh, look, I, I think iPads are a great thing. And, and, and I know that it's, there's musos out there who will say the exact opposite. They, they think, you know, no... If you're a professional musician, you should know your stuff. You should not need anything to prompt you. Well, you know, horses for courses. And uh, if you're if you're a brilliant musician who just remembers everything that you learn and can just flawlessly recall it at will, then I say more power to you. That is awesome. And I wish I had those superpowers myself. But I don't. So... Um, iPad comes in very handy. I do admit that I do take the practice of trying not to use it. So I sort of force myself to use it less and less um, because it can be a distraction. It is certainly much better to just know what you're doing, know what you're singing um, because you can really be more in the moment and more with the crowd than you can, you know, if you're always having to look down, what are the words, what are the words, what's the next chord, whatever. Um, so it can be, it can limit you a little bit there. But I think if it's used as, as a tool rather than a crutch, now that's, to me, that's the difference. I, I see some people, they just get so comfortable with it that they 
they really don't bother to try and commit stuff to memory because they just go, oh, I don't need to, it's there. So I don't think about it. I just look, there it is, and I play, and then I forget it. I don't agree with that style either. I think uh, it's a good tool. Use it as a tool. You know, it's there when you need it, but try not to rely on it because if you continually rely on it, you never really develop yourself. You don't develop your own memory or your own playing because you're too busy reliant on the iPad. Now, that that's, can also be a bit tongue-in-cheek because there's there are musicians who have to have sheet music to be able to play. And if the sheet music's not in front of them, they got no idea what they're doing. So that's kind of the same thing. But, you know, they're a different, different level of musician, if I might say that, without offending anybody. I don't read music myself. I think those that can read music are bloody brilliant. I would love to be able to read music and play fluently like that. Um, I, I don't know whether that would make me a different musician. I, I think it would. Um, would it make you a different musician if you I don't know um, when I when I see people play a piano or something to sheet music um, they don't seem deterred or slowed or anything by the sheet music the music still sounds lovely um, so you know I mean obviously they're able to read it quite fluently and at such a, a good speed faster than most of us can read the damn iPad so there's something to be said for that but getting back to iPads anyway I, I think they're a good tool what do you think yay or nay do you think uh, we rely on them too much uh, have we become too dependent on our tech toys does it make us put in less effort you know are we less inclined to to really learn something properly and put the time in to perfect it or do we just leave it for our tech toys to do for us? Don't know. Let me know what you think. Send me your opinion to my say at workingmusic.com.au and uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, well, what else do we want to chat about? Probably not a lot more. Probably leave that one till next week's uh, podcast. going to talk a little bit about APRA. AMCOS, ASCAP and all those sort of different royalty conglomerates from around the world and different sort of things. We'll talk about that next week. Um, we're getting on a little bit here. And one, one last topic that I want to discuss on this very first episode and I think it's going to come up quite a lot because it's always a point of contention when I see Facebook posts about it. And I figure, you know, this is a podcast, this is uh, something that can go out there for anybody to listen to, to have their feedback, whatever, as a, as a you know, a bit of a sounding board, have your opinion. Um, and we can have it, you can have your opinion on anything, and, and I can have my opinion on anything whatsoever. Uh, what, what I will not do in this podcast, obviously, is uh, we won't be getting involved in naming and shaming and none of that sort of crap. Um, you know, I, I will talk about controversial topics, but I won't be pointing fingers and, you know, trying to hold people accountable and anything like that in, in a public forum. That's just 
not what I'm about. But I'm certainly, I certainly do like to talk about controversial topics and, and hear other people's um, stories, other people's experiences, that sort of stuff. And, you know, when I talk about this next topic, you know, I'm quite happy to have people email me their stories and so forth. But what I don't want is I don't want people sending me names and company names and, and, and whatever, like just not really interested um, in going that, that route. I just want to talk about the actual topic itself in general. Um, and this, this topic, it encompasses such a, a broad variety of uh, um, professions or people or, or different, different areas of the music industry. Maybe that's a good way of putting it. Um, the topic, and this is a hot topic, and for want of a better topic name, I've just come up with dodgy operators. Now, you know, a dodgy operator in, in this term is just anybody in any form of their business who isn't above board in whatever it is they're doing. And I'm sure most of you out there have had some sort of experience in the music industry with somebody that you perceive, you would perceive them as dodgy. You know, I... Uh, my own personal experiences, I did some work for somebody. When I go and do work for anybody uh, under any circumstances, whether it's play music, uh, do audio, um, you know, whatever whatever it is I'm asked to do, you know, there's always, you know, you talk about, okay, well, I'm happy to come and play here for blah, 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 X amount of money and happy days. Yep, everybody agrees and off you go. And then, uh, you know, in my... One of my experiences had a bit of a disagreement with the so-called uh, employer and, uh, you know, in turn that uh, resulted in me not being compensated completely for the work that I did. It's a bit shit and I'm sure there's plenty of people out there with exactly the same story. And, you know, other stories like, uh, let's say, agents. You know, we've all got a story about agents uh, some are good, some not so good. Again, it all comes down to, I guess, personal opinion on how you class somebody to be good and somebody to be not good. Everybody has a different opinion on that as well. Um, you know, personally myself, you know, if an, if an agent books you and, you know, agents who don't double book, I, I consider... That's that's good, you know. They've obviously got their shit together in their office. They don't they don't uh, screw things up from that end. Agents, you know, it's it's nice to have an agent who tries to get a fair price for what you're doing. I've come across agents who'll just try and screw you down on the phone to get you for your lowest possible price. And my first thought is, the lower you push me, the less money you're making. So it doesn't make any sense for you to to make me go in cheaper because you get less too. So, you know, that always bothers me. Um, I think a good agent should always be trying to push the price up, not cut it down. Um, and, and, of course, it's always good to be paid in a, a timely manner. Um, and I've, I've always said, 
I could walk into any pub and any club in this country, walk up to the bar and order a round of drinks for everybody and some meals, no worries. And if I turned around and said, hey, I'll pay you next month, you all know what would happen. Being paid in a timely manner is, is something that is, is really, really a sticking point, at least here in Australia. And again, it brings me back to the fact that a lot of musicians and a lot of musicians that I know th- like live off being a musician. That's how they make their income. They don't have big wads of cash sitting in the bank that they can just live off of while they're waiting for people to decide whether they're going to pay or not going to pay and when they're going to pay and blah, 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 blah. Again, let's get back to my personal opinion. I don't see any reason why any musician in this country should wait more than 14 days to be paid for a gig that they've done. There's just no need for it. What's more, there's no need for any musician in this country to have to chase their money. They have done the job. They delivered their service and their time and they left you know, their families at home and off they went and they did their gig and they, they, they honoured their part of the contract. Why then do they need to spend five or ten phone calls and more time chasing to get their money to come in the bank? It's absolutely disgraceful. And, and it just, it reflects badly on, on that office, on that agent or whoever it was that is in charge of doing that. It's just another one of the sad state of affairs Dodgy operators, they're everywhere. You've got to look out for them. But, you know, how do, how, do you, how do you determine who's good and who's bad? Again, it's, it's a really, it's like a juggling act. You know, I've worked with agents whom people have told me to avoid and yet I've never had a problem. And they've always uh, looked after me, paid me, you know, in a, in a, in a reasonable manner and so... Like, I don't know. Like, you can't always take someone else's word for it because one person's bad experience isn't going to always be your experience. So, again, it's, it's another tricky one. Uh, it's, like work, it's like working for anybody. Um, it's very hard to find um, many people where somebody won't have a bad word about it. It just it's almost impossible it's like looking for reviews online you can you get online and you look up any product that you want to buy and there'll be you know hundreds if not thousands of reviews but there'll always be some negative ones and there'll be some great ones and you can sit there and you can read for hours and hours and you'll still sit there at the end of it all and go i still don't know whether i should or i shouldn't it's uh in my opinion I think everybody's got to make their own choice there. You can get opinions and uh, people, everybody's got an opinion. And uh, as you can tell right now, (laughs) happy to give it away if anybody wants to listen. But yeah, so I mean, how how do you decide? How do you decide what to do? My personal preference is I'm happy to give anyone the benefit of the doubt until they screw me over. And once they screw me over, that's it. I done. Moving on. But until then, if they look after me, I'll look after them. Two way street. And I think that's how it should always be. But, you know, each to their own. So 
I think I've probably raved on enough and I don't know whether anybody even wants to listen to what I've got to rave on about. But here I am. Here is the first full episode of Working Music, just about to come to an end. I do hope to, uh, uh, once I get some technology stuff sorted out, to be able to do some, uh, like, uh, interviewee, well, not interviewee, but maybe co-hosty sort of stuff with other people. And uh, I would certainly love to even find some other people in different parts of the world who would love to come on and do it like a co-host episode from time to time, that sort of thing, just to make it more interesting and uh, to get some more varied opinions in one episode. It's uh, I, I love I love anybody with different opinions. It's great, um, you know, because uh, that's how you broaden your horizons and. You know, you can't learn if you're always stuck inside your box with your blinders on just heading down that road. Uh, so, absolutely, I, I, I welcome feedback. I, wel- I welcome, um, you know, I don't want to use the word positive feedback, but I, I, welcome, I, I welcome constructive feedback. That, that's, the, that's a better term, constructive feedback. There's always going to be haters, and you know, as like I said, I know where the delete button is, so it's, it's not a drama. Um, I'll just delete um, and probably won't even half read. But constructive criticism, constructive feedback, constructive feedback is uh, w- what we need right here to uh, add more flavour and add more uh, voice to this podcast and uh, see what happens with it. So that uh, brings us to an end for the first episode of Working Music. I have no idea how long this has gone for because I've not turned my recording software into minutes and seconds, but if I just uh, do that right now, not that I can see a stupid thing from here, it's almost an hour long, well, 50 minutes. By the time I edit a little bit of crap out, we'll be about 50 minutes. That's not bad for a first very first episode. Look, I, I hope somebody finds this interesting and uh, I, I really hope that people want to give me some feedback. And if you find it interesting, share it with other musicians and, and industry type people, you know, anybody, sound engineers, buddy, anyone, you know, everybody in the music industry needs to have a that you know needs to be able to have a voice in some aspect about how crap things are getting but hey if you've got a good story to share too you know um, something that's good that's happening in your area in regards to music uh, or the music industry or something like that you know is your local government doing something fantastic is you know is there great incentives in your part of the world for for music and 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 the arts you know entertainment in general not just necessarily music but you know the arts um yeah tell us about it you know give us give us something to be happy about and to share and and maybe um you know share those ideas because maybe you know some somebody might hear that and it might spark something somewhere else let's share the love let's get it out there let's uh let's discuss And let's talk all about working music. See you next time.